are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Well, um, I'll tell you what, I am very excited that uh, next Sunday morning, uh, many of us will get together in person for worship. Uh, those of you who are not yet comfortable doing so, you'll continue to be with us online. Uh, but we will have a service at 9 o'clock on Sunday morning, uh, our more traditional service. And then our second service will begin at 11 o'clock. And so make sure that you make a note of that, 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock next Sunday morning. I'm looking forward to getting to see some of you in person. You know, we've been in a series called uh, Can't Go Back. And we've been thinking a lot about in these last 11 weeks how we've made some real changes in our lives. Uh, there's some things that we've started that we don't want to, you know, stop. There's some things that we've stopped that we don't want to start again. And for many of us, our eyes have been open, and um, we want to experience and continue to live um, in real life change. So we've been talking some about this early church. They experienced the most significant event in human history, which was the resurrection of Jesus. They knew that life would never be the same again. They knew they could not go back to life like it had been before. We have also experienced something tremendous. And that has been during a pandemic, we have turned to God and we have found Him to be there for us. He has spoken to us through His Word. He has spoken to us through others. He has spoken to us in that inner voice. And we have found Him to be present for us. And so we have a message to tell us, a, a story to share with people that God walks with us through difficult times. So let me just talk to you about that early church for a few minutes today, okay? This is Pentecost Sunday. It's referred to often as the birth of the church of Jesus Christ. And so we try to wrap our heads around this idea of these early believers having such an impact and influence on the world that it has altered significantly human history. How in the world did this small band of followers of Jesus have such an impact? How did it even survive? So when you think about the early church, um, they didn't seem to have any organized strategy that we read about, at least in the Scripture. Um, it's not like they were using their services to try to attract new people. In fact, because of the persecution of Nero, by A.D. 60, they had closed their doors to outsiders. Think about this now. If you weren't in the church, you weren't even invited or welcome to attend. And so what we're also hearing in that is that they were dealing with great persecution. But somehow, by the 5th century, they had become the established religion of the Roman Empire. I mean, think about this. They were despised. They were marginal. But the church continues to grow and have an incredible impact on its world until by the 5th century they become the established religion of the Roman Empire. So the church, literally, God used them to change the world. And today, more than 2.5 billion people claim to follow the teachings of Jesus. How in the world did they change the world? This has been one of those weeks that um, has been very upsetting for all of us. I, uh, I could not hardly make myself watch the video of 
George Floyd's life being taken from him. Um, time and time again, I would turn away. What has happened in the aftermath of that uh, has been horrific. I, I think what it does is it underlines for all of us the condition of the human heart. I think it underlines hate. I think it underlines injustice. Uh, I think it underlines division. I, I cannot begin to get my whole mind wrapped around political division in this country, much less racial division. It seems to me that we have taken a narrative on as a society that says if you and I disagree at any point, then we draw a bold line and we must divide. We hide behind social media posts as if real people aren't on the other end. And it's all done in the name of we have to somehow win. We can't let the other side, whoever the other side is, get a leg up. And this idea of following the instruction of Jesus to turn the other cheek doesn't even seem like a remote possibility to so many people today. So when I think about the condition of the world and the condition of the human heart, I, I don't have hope in, in my heart today that there's some agency that is going to come up with a solution and fix this. I don't have any sense that we're going to say, oh, aren't we thankful all of that is finally gone from our society. And so when I push myself and I ask myself, what is the answer for the world today? The only answer that I can find is love. And the scriptures remind me that God is love and he expressed his love to us in Christ Jesus. And Jesus so often chooses to love this world through his church. Now, when I think about these other believers some 2,000 years ago living in a world of great division and hatred and injustice, God did something incredible. Let me show you what God did, okay? God empowered those early believers. God empowered those old early believers with the Holy Spirit. He poured his spirit out upon them. He empowered them, and then he used them to change the world. I got a feeling today that I'm looking at some people who are saying, God, would you empower me? with your Holy Spirit, and would you use me to change this world? Because this world is in desperate need of change. So let me take you to this passage of Scripture that we celebrate on this Pentecost Sunday. And let me, let me just share these words with you of what happened that day that God poured out His Spirit on those early believers, on that early church, and how He used them to change their world. Okay, Acts chapter 2, let me start with verse 1. So when the day of Pentecost came, we'll talk about Pentecost in a minute, okay? They were all together, meaning this group of believers, there were about 120 of them gathered in an upper room, and they were in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind. Now what does wind represent? It represents power. It came from heaven, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire. What does fire represent? It represents purity fire that separated and came to rest on each of them and all of them I love these words were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues now when we talk about other tongues we are talking about this symbol that the gospel is for all people everywhere they begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them 
Now, they were staying in Jerusalem because it was Pentecost, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each heard their own language being spoken. And utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue, amazed and perplexed. They ask one another, what does this mean? Do you ever think people who aren't followers of Jesus today look at the church amazed and perplexed, asking, what's going on? Some, however, made fun of them. There's always going to be those people. And they said they've had too much wine. <laughs> I love these words. Then Peter stood up. It's not the picture we saw of Peter earlier, but it's the picture we see of Peter now that he has been filled with the Holy Spirit. With the eleven, he raised his voice. He addresses the crowd, fellow Jews, and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. And Simon Peter goes on then to preach this incredible message, teaching them about who Jesus is and how he can change their lives. You know, I think I've mentioned to you over the years that uh, I was raised in a, in a small Kentucky town. Sometimes I, I think about my childhood and, and things that we did, and it's a bit comical to me. For example, um, if you came to our house and we offered you a soft drink, we would ask if you want a Coke. Now, we might not have the brand Coke in the house. We might have had Pepsi, and we might have had Dr. Pepper, and we might have had Mountain Dew or a drink that's kind of unique to Kentucky called Ski. Um, but we referred to all soft drinks as Coke. Now, we, we knew that we didn't have a Coke, but it became this generic word that just covered soft drinks. It's like I remember when I got my first job working in a church, and I was in the office, and we might hand somebody a piece of paper and said, can you Xerox this for me? Now, there might not have been a Xerox copier in the room, but, but we used the word Xerox instead of the word copier. I, I think what I'm trying to say is that sometimes words lose their original meaning. I think Pentecost is one of those words that we forget what it actually meant originally. And we come to assign new meaning to words. So let me just tell you that for those in the um, Jewish faith, Pentecost was an agricultural festival that commemorated God giving the law, the way of life for their faith to the people. And so it happened 50 days after Passover while the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. There was a lamb that was killed. The blood spread over the doorframe of the house. The death angel passed over the firstborn of the Israelite children, sons. And then 50 days later, as they made their way out of slavery to Mount Sinai, God gives the law. And so what they did was they celebrated this annually. 
It was with a festival like we have annual festivals today like Thanksgiving. This was an agricultural festival. And, and they celebrated the giving of the law. They brought first fruits of the harvest to God. Okay? And then they would trust God for more harvest to come. And so it was on this day when many, many people had come to Jerusalem to celebrate this great annual festival and to offer first fruits of harvest to God. It was during this feast, this celebration, that the Holy Spirit was poured out upon these early believers. And so today the word Pentecost is a word that we as believers hold very dear to our hearts. So there was, there was wind that represented power. There was fire that represented purity. There were the speaking in the other tongues that represented the gospel being for all people. I remember when I was a, a younger preacher, I had never preached with a translator in the room before. And, and I stood up to speak to a group of pastors and, um, and I realized there was somebody over in the back right-hand corner of the room, and it seemed like the entire time I was talking, they were talking to the person beside them. I almost wanted to stop and ask him to take his conversation outside, but before I did, I finally had the good sense to realize that he was actually translating uh, my, 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 my words into another language for somebody. You understand, on the day of Pentecost, they didn't need a translator. Everybody was hearing this incredible message in their own language. And so what happens next is that Simon Peter, he quotes an Old Testament prophet whose name is Joel. And Joel was longing and waiting and anticipating and hoping for and aching for a day when things would be made right. And what Simon Peter is trying to communicate as he trans, um, as he rather quotes this prophet is that this day has arrived. God is pouring out His Spirit. God is doing something new. This power is being released, released rather through the resurrection of Jesus Himself, and the world is going to be changed forever. Now, when I tell the story of Pentecost, I got a feeling that, that somebody is in their heart beginning to feel an emptiness, a longing, an aching, a desire. You remember a promise that was made in the Scripture. And you desperately need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. It, it truly is God breathing life into us. It's empowering us to live the life that He's called us to live. It's empowering us to be the bold witness that those early believers became. And right now, you look at your own life, you look at your own walk with God, and, and you realize deep down, Pastor Rick, something is missing, something is lacking in me. I want to be a world changer, but I don't feel like I'm a world changer today. I, I need power. I need God to breathe life in me to live this life that He desires me to live, and this life that will have an impact on my world. Here's, here's what we know, okay? We know this. We know that God longs, God longs to give us the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is ask. God longs to give us the Holy Spirit. And all we have to do is ask. You say, Rick, how do you know that? Um, how can you so 
resolutely just stand there and say, God longs to give us the Holy Spirit. All we have to do is ask. Let me take you to the words of Jesus, okay, in the Gospel of Luke, verse 13. Here's what Jesus says. If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, look at these words. How much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? You understand that God longs to give us the Holy Spirit. We have to ask Him. You know, when I think about these early believers, I think about especially these apostles. Um, can you imagine what it was like to walk in their shoes, to live their life? They hear that there's a man named Jesus. Uh, they hear that He's doing incredible things. He comes to each of them and He says, follow me. And they begin to follow Him for three years they begin to believe that he is the Messiah. Uh, they witness his miracles. They listen to his teaching. They are amazed at Jesus. They hear him say, I'm going to go away. They're bewildered by those words. He then follows them up by saying, but it's okay that I'm going because the Father is going to give you the Holy Spirit. He's going to help you. He's going to be with you. He's going to guide you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to teach you. He's going to remind you everything that I've taught you. And then they witnessed his crucifixion. However, in three days, he was raised from the dead. And now this resurrection power is available. For 40 days, he appears to them and he talks to them about the Holy Spirit, but they don't fully understand. And finally, in chapter 1 in the book of Acts, they say this, this kingdom of God that you're talking about, this restoration of Israel that we've been praying for, I mean, they, they had been, you know, ruled by the Babylonians and the Persians and the Romans. Is it going to happen now? Is it all coming together right now? Is this the day we've longed and waited for? And Jesus says, I'm not here to talk to you about dates and times, but you are going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And your life is going to change and you're going to be bold witnesses of this gospel. Do you understand that this was always God's intention for the church? Do you remember the words of Jesus when he says things to disciples like, As the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. When he says to his disciples, Now go make disciples of all nations. And here he says, When the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. You're going to be witnesses. This was always the plan of God. That the church of Jesus Christ would express the love of Jesus to the world and share this incredible message of hope. So there's some words here that, um, that I love. And the words are these. Then Peter stood up. I was driving the other day in my car and I was listening to Pastor Timmy Riggs' sermon last Sunday. He highlighted these words. I haven't been able to get over these words since I heard him highlight them. Then Peter stood up. It's not the picture we saw of Simon Peter a month and a half earlier. Simon Peter stood down. He said, I, I, I don't know who Jesus is. I have no idea who you're talking about. You, you've obviously confused me for somebody else. I, I don't know him. But not today. 
Peter didn't stand down. Peter stood up. You understand a month and a half before this, Simon Peter said, I'm going to stand tall. That's what he told Jesus. I would never deny you. But he fell short. A month and a half before this, Simon Peter said to Jesus, you know what I'm going to do? <laughs> I'm going to be there for you. But he wasn't. But now there is this incredible transformation that has happened in his life. And Simon Peter stood up. Now a bold witness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. See, when I say to you, let you and I, let's stand up in the power of the Spirit. You know, let's be the people that God longs for us to be. Do you understand what happens after people are filled with the Holy Spirit? Do you understand the powerful witness the church in Acts begins to become? Let me, let me just show you. I want to show you several verses, about seven of them actually, okay? The early believers in the book of Acts. Just let me point out seven verses, and you just stay with me, okay? I'll run through them quickly. About 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's the day of Pentecost in chapter 2. In chapter 4, the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So you realize that there is exponential growth taking place. And the Lord added to their number at the end of chapter 2 daily. I'm talking about every day. Somebody was coming to know Jesus and putting their faith in Him. Daily, those who are being saved. Look what happens in chapter 5. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. They never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news in chapter 5. In chapter 6, the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Look at what happens in chapter 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. I, I, I live my life um, longing desperately to be a part of a church again where that is the narrative where the world is changing minute by minute second by second where people are finding the hope and the love in the message of Jesus where people's hearts are being changed instead of being hate being filled with love instead of division unity this is what I long for and, and so I have to stop and I have to ask myself, and I think that you have to stop this morning with me and ask yourself, am I living a life that is spirit-filled? Has God breathed this life in me? Am, am I living a life that is filled with power, empowered to be this bold witness? sharing this incredible message of the hope and the love of Jesus? Am I seeing my world changed? Because God is using me like He used those early believers. So let me, let me finish by just sharing a few words with you here, okay? I, I still have some Zoom meetings, quite a few of them, actually. And so the other day I was in a meeting, and uh, two of the people who had joined the meeting were Pastor Thaddeus Black and Pastor, I love these words, Samuel Bannon, Pastor Samuel Bannon. 
they were together at our food pantry at Two Lakes. About six years ago, Pastor Thaddeus joined our staff. He's an African-American man who is full of this love that we're talking about and filled with the Spirit. Pastor Sam O'Bannon has just joined our staff. And he, he directs our neighborhood ministries out of Two Lakes. Pastor Thaddeus pastors the church. The relationship is awesome. So while Sam is directing the neighborhood ministries, the food pantry and the health care clinic and, and all the other things that we're doing there, Pastor Thaddeus is working right beside him, supporting him. And while Pastor Thaddeus is pastoring the church, Pastor Sam is right there beside him. He's like an associate pastor, just, you know, breathing life and everything that the other is doing. One is a young white man who just graduated from Southern Nazarene University, entering into full-time ministry just this week. The other is an African-American man who has been serving on our staff for six years now. As I begin to celebrate what God was doing in them and through them and the partnership that He had given them, they're sitting beside each other at a desk looking into this camera, to this computer, and they begin to put their arms around each other. And they're sitting there arm in arm, smiling, laughing, talking, giving thanks to God for the relationship that He has given them and how together they are going to fight for justice, for hope, for peace, for their world to change. See, I, I believe what I saw that day was the Spirit-filled church of Jesus Christ marching forward in this world. I don't want to go back. I want to go forward in the power of the Spirit. And so, Father, I'm asking you in Jesus' name, at Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, could we today turn the page into a new chapter? Could we get on our knees as a church and pray for the filling of your spirit, may we become the world changers that you want us to be, that you dream of us being. Empower us, I pray in Jesus' name, to live this life and to be the witness that you dream of us becoming. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that God would fill us with his spirit. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at BethanyNaz.org.